0: Indiana Runner podcast, season two, episode 11. It's another emergency podcast on the Indiana Runner Network. Josh Horowitz and I go through the big drop on INCC stats. No more time to waste. Let's hit it. big drop Josh Horowitz Colin out to vote here an emergency podcast not much more than 24 hours after our last one but we said we'd do it when we got the big drop on INCC stats and Josh we we got it
1: yeah we got the big drop only uh, like you said in a matter of 24 hours or a little bit more after uh, after the last podcast and this weekend's meets and it's here the, the big
0: drop. <laughs> So it wasn't Labor Day for INCC Stats, and it's not Labor Day for us. Or maybe it is. It's, it's, it's Labor Day. We've been doing a lot of work, crunching the numbers. I got two computer screens and a notebook. I think Scott might have been right. I think maybe I take this a little too seriously. Uh, big meets coming up this weekend. We're going to know. I don't want to keep kicking the can down the road, but we're going to know a lot more at the end of this next week than we do now. But we know a lot more now than we did at the beginning of last week. We want to make sure we give you the coverage that you want, that you need, and we give the recognition to these, uh, these athletes and these teams. So the preseason, Josh, is still factored in. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but non-racers have been taken out. So a lot of our questions have been answered. And just since last night, since we got the big drop with a capital B and a capital D, uh, th- things have shifted and there have been more um, the team ratings don't quite match up with just w- what Scott and I talked about yesterday afternoon when we did the podcast. So um, I don't know that we're going to necessarily go in about the differences between those, but for instance, I think that uh, Columbus North boys yesterday uh, after we saw after, when we were talking about it, Uh, Their their adjusted team performance, I believe that was 84. Does that sound right?
1: Uh, For the meet on Saturday?
0: Yeah, it was 84, and now it says 95. So nothing changed, obviously, but just more data points and maybe taking out some of the things, maybe weighing the preseason uh, projections a little bit less into that, but they're still factored in. I know Hamilton Southeastern, which I think was 94, as their rating is now 100. So things have shifted minimally. I think Carmel at one point, we were at like 126 from the county, and now it says 139. So um, that's that's how, how things have shifted. That's pretty minimal. But the big thing is, and we'll, we'll get into this for at least one team, anyone who has not yet raced is not in the uh, rankings at all. It's not in the stats.
1: Was Was it always – I was trying to think on past years, if this was the week that they – did that. It seems like in past years that they waited until maybe like the twilight meet weekend to say, okay, if you haven't run a race, you're out of the you're out of the rankings. This feels kind of early for them uh, for Stats genius to take non racers out.
0: I don't quite, I don't quite remember um, exactly. I think this is usually the weekend of the big drop. Uh, I've, yeah. been yell- I've been yelling that all day. Um <laughs> But I'm not sure when they started taking people out. I think when they did the big drop that they they also did take people out more more recently. Now this is a site that's been around. I think the first year was probably 2012 or 2013. So it's been around since you were in high school. and then of course, historically they've, they've gone back and, and looked at a lot of the data now the farther back further back, rather, the further back that that they go, the less. Data that they have, and so a lot of it may just be based on kind of state meets um, and, and whatever, whatever historical data you could find, maybe uh, qualifier, sectional, regional mm-hmm. meets, stuff like that. So, all right, on the boys' side, let's get right into it. The top four boys' teams are separated by just thirteen points. What are points? What is the team rating? Uh, the team rating is the team rating on INCC stats it's loosely based on about what it might look like at the state meet. So for instance, the top five team, the top four teams rather, now that's a, that's a slip there because it really could be the top five. We'll talk about that in a minute. HSC 130, Columbus North 131, Center Grove 134 and Carmel 143. So 13 points separate them. If you look at the, uh, simulation the state tournament simulations it's based on 2000 simulations of the tournament uh, the average score for those four teams are also separated by 13 points and maybe we'll get through these teams and we can talk about i went through and did a mock meet so i took the top six teams from each semi-state and then now there's some margin of error there where i could have missed a, a, an athlete or two uh, certainly didn't miss it for the top five teams but it, it could vary by a point or two in, in either direction. Uh, there's those four schools are separated by 13 points in the, w- when you have the average score on the 2000 simulations of the tournament. Now, I, I think a more cynical person would be like, well, it doesn't matter. You don't run races on paper. And I would say, well, this isn't paper. It's a computer screen. You don't run races on that either. So, uh, But it's it's certainly something to talk about. It's certainly something that's interesting. And I was going to say it's not something we had when we were in high school. But you and I were in high school at different times. So we didn't have it when I was in high school. We did when you were in high school. I, I'm not sure how, how big it was, how much people uh, knew about it then. Do you remember looking at it or caring about yeah it then... I,
1: I remember a little bit I remember you saying a few things about it I remember looking to see where I was I was rated at certain points before the season and then after the first kind of big race that I had bumped me up um, so I definitely remember a little bit but obviously now being a coach it's really kind of changed the way I look at INCC stats so
0: it's it's really interesting it's not we still need to run the races and I think that all of the coaches that love the statistics and the analysis that clearly we understand that we don't spend much of it, I, any time talking about INCC stats at practice, the way that we also probably wouldn't talk about the Indiana runner rankings or the preseason top 50. Now, granted, our, our kids are going to have less reason to talk about it because they know where it's coming from. Um <laughs> And and I don't know how much the athletes are talking about it, but it's it's very very interesting, and we're gonna just kind of go through these numbers here. I guess
1: before actually, Colin, before we even go through the numbers, like one thing we um, like our coaching staff always talks about with INCC stats that I think is important for maybe other coaches to realize. Like we we use it as a way to kind of guide some of our team and to say, hey, this person is kind of close to you. Um, based on what they've done this season, that might be someone to look for in a race. So we kind of use it as that sort of tool instead of a, oh, we're given a 10% chance to be top 10 or whatever the the stat is.
0: Right, right. Because what is, yeah, what 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 does 10% mean? It, yeah. It's almost like telling a kid, hey, why don't you try and finish in the top 50 in a race? It's like, well, I'm not going to be able to count up that high. Right. And if I could, that's probably not a good use of my time in the 16 minutes I'm going to be running. Uh, all right, so here we go. INCC stats has run 2000 simulations based on what they have now. Again, if, if one of your athletes, if an athlete from a team hasn't competed yet, he or she has been taken out. So uh, if, if there's one athlete or two athletes on a, on a key team, on a contender taken out, those aren't factoring in right now. Here are the top five teams. We're going to list anybody with better than a 1% chance anybody not inside the Lloyd Christmas division to win the state championship on the boys side, number one. Now they're ranked number two on INCC stats, but after 2000 simulations, probably rewarding this team's depth in uh, superior sixth and seventh runners compared to some of the other teams, Columbus North, 28.5% chance to win the state meet. These numbers are going to vary and fluctuate in, and eventually that the 4K times will be taken out, which will be helpful for Columbus North because their 4K performances from that Brownsburg meet are weighing them down. I don't know why they perform much better at the meet this Saturday than they did at the 4,000-meter race. Uh, we could hazard any number of guesses, but that, that, is, that is the way the numbers spit out. Number two, listed number one on INCC stats, Hamilton Southeastern. chance to win the state meet. Number three, listed number three on INCC stats. Center Grove, 24.5% chance to win the state meet. Number four, listed number four on INCC stats. Carmel, 16.8% chance to win the state meet. And then I was a little confused by this, but I'm not going to argue with the numbers. Fishers, 2.2% chance to win the state meet. What's exactly there?
1: Uh, the fact that there's four teams with a greater than 16% chance and that three of those teams are within three, two or 3% of each other, um, as we've talked about on the podcast all season long, just shows how close it is. And we're leaving out a team we think will be there at the end. And uh, I think when we get to the podium chances, we'll be able to see even more how, how crazy close it is. Um, but yeah, just, again, just how close it is, like we've talked about all season.
0: I did a mock state meet, like I talked about. I took the top six teams in each semi-state. Then I went through the individuals, and I just kind of scored it. And when I did that, here's what I, here's what I came up with. I'm having trouble reading my own handwriting, but fortunately I texted it to a few people, so I'm going to look that up on my phone. <laughs> and the guy I sent it to first, I text with a lot. Columbus North, 133. Hamilton Southeastern, 137. Center Grove, 139. And Carmel, 156.
1: So it matches up decently well with what – not not the averages, but what they have on, like, the overall rating.
0: Yes, it matches very close to that. Now, on the average – this is the Shane Moore theory. On the average, it's – the numbers are higher because – it's easier for someone to run poorly and add to the score versus running really, really well, which isn't going to subtract that much from your score. Right? So for instance, Columbus Norse number one runner, he can't score many fewer points than he's getting in this mock me. If he ran the race of his life and the race of, of all of his lives across all of the multiple universes that were, that are currently in existence. If you subscribe to the multiverse theory, he's going to win. He's going to score one point, but he's currently probably scoring two. So he can't get much less than that. However, he could run a really poor race. He could be sick, and I'm sure a lot of these, the the standard deviations are factored into that where maybe he doesn't score two, but he scores 22, and that, that figures into the average. Same thing with Carmel's number one runner, right? He's scoring one in this, but there's a world that exists where Fazoli's in his hometown, is serving up you know bad fettuccine or whatever, and he it adds it adds to his points. Even um, though,
1: according to stats, he won't finish any lower than tenth.
0: <laughs> I mean, we run over I, I well, only
1: two thousand simulations, though, right?
0: I live in that city, sir. So we run a very clean Fizzolis. <laughs> and then we talked about the uh, average. Well, I'm sorry. I need to go through it again. So, Columbus North 133, HSC 137, Center Grove 139, Carmel 156, Fishers 219. We can put a pin in Fishers and, and, and maybe come back to them later if we have time. Then the averages of those top five teams. Okay, hold on. To your, you're not wearing one, but hold on to your head anyways. Columbus North 149, Hamilton Southeastern 150, Center Grove 156, Carmel 162, and Fishers 230. It's only 13 points separating those top four teams. If we go to a state meet and the top four teams are separated by 23 points and the top three are only separated by six, we're going to have no idea who won. Right. Now, if my team finishes 23 points back, I'm going to feel like we finished 18th or whatever. I'm like, God, no way. Um, But but if also if we go – the winning team is not going to have 149 points. The winning team is going to have a hundred or fewer this year, I imagine. Um, but this also shows that in a, in a, in a year where the fourth best team is probably the greatest number four team of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check on INCC stats. Uh, is there an
1: easy way to find that?
0: Yeah, not quite, but it, yes, 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 if you do it since the modern era, there's a lot of 70s in here. And I I think that's just hard to compare because it was so long ago and uh, they didn't run a full 5K. And I know there's, but since 1980, it's easily the best number four team since then.
1: I like the modern era
0: sets and probably better than also any number three team as it stands now. And I'm having trouble finding many number two teams better.
1: And that's leaving out a potential team that could be right next to them or even better.
0: Correct. We're talking So it'd it make them the fifth team. Right. That would be the fifth team. Here, here's one way to put it. The fourth team, if we if we factor in that Burbuff, which which was the number two preseason all-time team ever, or tied for it, if we put them back in just ahead of the number four team. The number four team right now, as things stand, and, and certainly other things can factor in, and a lot of these teams. Especially these well coached veteran teams are going to run through some meets with their best guys, and they may have a rating of 130 or 140, but they have a couple meets where they're not as competitive and, and they they spit out a rating of 170 or 180. Carmel and Columbus North both had that last year. Uh, and then by state meet time, they, it, the, they dropped way down. Um, the number five team, if we throw Burbuff in there, the number five team is ahead of the number one team from two years ago. And ahead of the number one team from three years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So that's that's how deep it is this year. And, and it looks to me, we can get into this in a little bit, that the, the top teams are underrated.
1: I would agree with that based on, based on the scores. I would definitely agree with that because uh, looking at the individuals too, I noticed this all the top five teams that we're talking about their number one runner is in the top 15 of the state. It's so rare. I feel like where every team that would be on the podium has a top 15 runner, but it's just showing like you're saying how underrated it is um, where all these teams like top individuals are some of the best individuals in the state too.
0: Right. And we, we undersold how good the teams were going to be this year. We talked in all the preseason stuff. You and I did three different podcasts on that. And uh, Taylor and I talked about it. And Scott and I talked about it. Like, this could be an incredible year for the boys' teams. And yet, when you look at a lot of these teams, that the, the early season ratings for the boys, these difference makers, these scores on the good teams, these top five teams, they're better than they projected early in the season. Now, some of the top boys, some of the top 25-type guys, and HSC's got four of them, and Carmel's got three of them, and Columbus North's got, I don't know, like 12 of them or whatever. <laughs> they, they, may be, they may be a little bit slower right now than their preseason projection, but we're talking like two or three seconds, versus the fourth and fifth best kids on these teams And who knows how that holds up over the course of the whole season. It's easier to get a good rating in the first couple weeks. But like two of the – I'll just be upfront about it. Two of the scores on the Carmel team right now have two ratings in that are faster than their season rating. So once those – assuming that they continue to perform at that same level through this weekend and and potentially next weekend or whatever – until INCC Stats removes the preseason ratings, like these scores are going to shoot up even more for these top, these top end teams. And it's the same, you know, I didn't, I didn't dissect the way the other teams, the way I would my own, obviously. Um, But it's got to be the same for some of these scores, some of these fourth or fifth best boys at, at center Grove or Hamilton Southeastern. And once we remove those, assuming that, that the boys perform at the same level, in week four that they did in week three, and that to me seems likely or at least reasonable. Um, they're certainly sure not going to be way worse, unless you know depends on how clean the Fizzolis is in these cities. Right. But I, I think the teams are going to be even better. So one one forty three or one thirty four or you know Hamilton Southeastern is at one thirty right now, but they only have one team rating and it's a hundred. They only had one five k so all of their boys were better in their first meet than they than their season ratings are, sometimes by quite a bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we could be maybe, looking at yeah. something really maybe, crazy after this weekend.
1: Maybe I'll ask you this uh, every time I come on, but as of right now, would you say the state meet winning score is over or under 100?
0: I think it's going to be under, but you've got to remember – the score is different than the rating. And so the score right. happens in context of the whole, of the whole meet. Yeah. I think the winning team will score under a hundred. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're looking at a, a meet like 2018 when the winning team had 136, but I think we're looking at a team finishing fourth or even fifth that in 2018, as we compare the, the data, as we compare the stats, the, the, team that finishes fifth this year might have won in, in twenty
1: Yeah, which is crazy, coming or, in fifth one year and then could have right. won another year.
0: Well, I, like we said, if, if we just put Burbuff in at a reasonable level, the fifth-place team right now, as frustrating as it might be for me, um, would have won in 2019 based mm-hmm. on what we see now. Now, of course, we haven't had these big meets, right? So, like, the scores could vary a lot. Uh, and your rating is is mostly it's like sixty percent. Someone reverse engineered at one time and kind of found out the weighted averages. Um, your score is about sixty percent. What happens at the state meet? So, right, right. This will be a lot different in in a little bit. I uh, wanted to go through too because we we talked about um. If you have a key runner missing, the the elephant in the room is buff right? The yes. so Burbuff has two all-state level boys, two boys that could finish in the top ten, they haven't run yet. We don't know why they're not running, um, but we, we find it likely that they'll probably compete in the next two or three weeks before the tournament starts. So Teams with key missing runners, I came up with two. Let me know if I missed somebody. One is Burbuff, clearly, and the other one is kind of Hamilton Southeastern.
1: Yeah, they, they missed one of their guys uh, at
0: county, right? Uh, he was not in the results at the county meet. Okay. So yeah,
1: I, I can't think of any other two outside outside
0: those. And when we say teams, we're talking like teams that are going to make the state meet, or or yeah. factoring those runners in, they're more likely to make the state meet. Um, and those were the those were the two, or really kind of one and a half that that stood out to me. Any other thoughts on the boys side?
1: Uh, yeah, I was actually just going to run down uh, some of the podium percentages, because I know that's been a big topic. So we obviously kind of went through the top four in, the, in a state championship uh, mindset, but I've never seen where the fourth team has a more than 90% chance to make the podium. And those top four, HSC, Center Grove, Columbus North, and Carmel are all given more than a 93% chance even to make the podium. Um, and obviously, like we said, Elton in the room of Burbuff possibly being there. Um, and as we've talked about, it could it would potentially be five teams with like a at least 85% chance to be podium. But outside of those uh, top four, Fisher's is given 53% right now, Noblesville 17, Concordia nine, Bloomington North 19. And those are all the teams that are that have a significant
0: number. Did you see what Burbuff's percentage was?
1: Uh yes, to, to podium yeah yes do you want me to say it yes 0.1 percent
0: i'm gonna take the over on that (laughs) can we wager on this somewhere
1: (laughs) well you you and taylor make the book right
0: (laughs) yeah that's true yeah i uh i so that's one in a thousand right yeah this is this is this is the ultimate lloyd christmas so you're telling me there's a chance yes there's a very good chance that Briboff finishes on the podium because they have two top 10 guys that haven't run yet.
1: Yeah. And as, as Scott kind of said on, on the last podcast, that's where it's, it's showing us what we know, what we've seen and especially with them taking out runners that haven't ran. So it's as if the state meet was tomorrow and you had to have run a race so far this season to make the state meet. This is, this is what the season has showed so far.
0: Correct. And I, I would say, I I don't know for certain, but I'm I feel confident saying that if the state meet were tomorrow, which would be weird because it's a Tuesday, but whatever. Let me let me know if it is and I'll get an activity bus. Uh, Our boys our our best boys did their long run today, so I don't know how you know, we'll be fine. Um, If the state meet was tomorrow, those two boys would run for Burba. How would they perform? I don't I don't know. There's got to be a reason that they haven't run yet. Right. Yes, there's been they've had three races, I think three or four meets already. There's probably a reason that they haven't run, but you can also afford to be to be more conservative, to be more cautious with them when you know when you know what you've got. Because so, good
1: news for them is the state meet is not tomorrow, and they know that they can they have to have them in October. So.
0: Right, right. Uh, okay, on the girls' side, there are clearly two contenders. Here are the percentage chances to win the state championship. Columbus North, 67.4. Carmel, 29.0. Noblesville, 2.8. And then we're getting into the one in a million. Uh, Girls mock state meet that I made. Top five. Now, this is just listing them based on uh, scoring your top five, where they're ranked, State meet teams, top six in each semi-state. Columbus North 89, Carmel 106. So 17 points separates those two teams. Uh, Noblesville 169, Zionsville 216, and Fort Wayne Carroll 223. Now, if you take the averages, Columbus North 97, Carmel 123, Noblesville 187, Zionsville 236, and Carroll 251. Anything there stick out to you?
1: Yeah i I think Fort Wayne Carroll. I I feel like we haven't really talked about them much on the podcast so far, and so for them to be put putting uh, their noses in the thick of it is um, surprising to me, at least. But maybe not to you, since you kind of you, you 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 know you're part of those those rankings. But um, yeah, just to see see their names, because I feel like we haven't talked about them too much.
0: They've balanced it out, it looks like. Um, they've had a, a, a key runner, a top runner miss. Each, each of these, they have, they have three really good distance runners, top athletes, and of those, two of them missed one of the meets. So they haven't put it all together in the same meet. So that could be, as you're just looking through the results, that could be a little confusing. Uh, I, I still think the key for Carol. They, they only have one. They have one freshman projected to score and two in their top seven. The question is, how excited can you be when you the team has been a contender for each of the last four years? How excited can you be to try and finish on the on the podium? And I think that's their challenge. That's, there's, there's no stat there. It's more of a psychological thing. It's more mm-hmm. of an emotional thing. And it's it's certainly, it's a statistical sport, right? I mean, the entire sport is a race with a math problem at the end. Everybody gets done and we add up your times, but it's also, it's, it's athletics. It's a, it's, it's emotional and being, uh, being high school or college age rather than professionals. It's even, it's even more so that way that I think that's, that's the challenge for this Carroll team. The thing that sticks out to me is Zionsville. Averaging 236 points, they're the fourth-best team. But uh, Zionsville girls are a a, a mini version, a a light version of Burbuff. They've got a potential All-State athlete she has yet to run. When you put her back in the mix, and all signs point that that she is going to run this season, she is on the team, I can confirm that, she gives them a lot more security at the top. And uh, I, I don't think that, that she – so they're, what, 113 points on average behind Carmel for second. I don't think she vaults them into the top two, but I think she could, uh, she could get them into that – into potentially third or a much more secure podium team.
1: Yeah, and I think ba- based on the, uh, the top two teams' chances at winning state, um, it would take a lot for one of the other teams to jump into that top two. Uh, but good for Zinesville to just, just greater their chances of a podium finish.
0: Let's get into the eight serious podium contenders. So this is totally different on the girls' side than the boys'. The boys, we feel like, would you say six teams have separated themselves for the podium? Yeah,
1: yeah, six is the right number.
0: And the stats don't bear that out quite yet for Fisher's. But I, I don't think we're – is this the week they're potentially going to that meet in Illinois? I think they are. And so I, I, we may not get an adjusted rating on that. There may not be enough yeah. elite Indiana athletes. And elite is like the top 500 of the yeah. top 1,000. NEI. Around. Yes, yes. Not
1: we'll, enough information.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it may end up with that kind of meet, um, depending on if any other Indiana teams go there. Uh, I didn't see Westfield listed for brown county and so i wonder if maybe it's what they have in the past gone to that meet and maybe that could that could put it over the top um i don't think that'd be enough either though so we may have to wait and see on fishers but they were excellent at the county meet and they were still good they beat center grove now center grove was a little short-handed but they were at least even if you put center grove's missing athlete back in there they were at least close it was still a battle um with them and 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 Fisher's one with if we go Scott Lidskin theory. Fisher's one with who, who was out there on the course. But on the girls' side, it's a little bit deeper. So we're listing anybody with a greater than 20% chance to finish on the podium. Columbus North,
1: 100%. I wrote that down too. Okay.
0: <laughs> Calm down, INCC Stats. We're living through the strangest time in human history. There's not even a 100% chance that there's going to be a state meet. Carmel, ninety nine point three percent. That seems a little more reasonable to me. I'm willing to give Columbus North ninety nine point eight percent chance.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: But again, Scott maybe,
1: said
0: anything can happen. Yeah. I, maybe the guy uh, that runs INCC stats has done a, a, a health inspection of the Fazolis in Carmel or in Columbus North or Columbus rather. Uh, have I ever been to that Fazolis? I don't suppose I have spent a lot of time in columbus in my life uh noblesville this seems a little i'm the king of saying that's too low and the king of the overs on this stuff noblesville 84.7 that actually seems a little high to me okay
1: i was gonna say that doesn't seem low to me
0: (laughs) it seems a little high to me yeah zionsville 50.4 but again that's that's not what their top runner I think that shoots up to more like seventy percent once we once we've got some data on her and we confirm that she's running. Carroll forty-two point three. That seems a little high. It's not. It's not too low. North Central thirty-three point three seems just right. Chesterton twenty-nine point eight. That seems low. I'm, I'm I'm running back the hits on that one. That seems mm-hmm. low. Westfield equal twenty-nine point eight. So that is eight eight with a with nearly a 30 percent better chance to to get there and again we're gonna we're gonna have a lot more we're gonna know a lot more in the next week certainly after flash rock the week after flash rock is the hcc three of those teams are in the hcc two of those teams are in the MEC. we'll get a chance to see these schools run against each other a lot depending on what teams do over Flash Rock weekend and over the um, the conference championship weekends. When's, when's conference Indiana? Is it next week? Uh,
1: the week after Brown County. So yeah, okay. next, so next Saturday. Yeah.
0: Anything stick out to you on those, those kind of eight podium contenders?
1: Yeah, I think th- there's definitely, like I said, eight podium contenders. I think in a way four might be starting to separate uh, based on the information we do know. Um, like you said, Zionsville having a potential runner uh, be in there to help their score. Um, So it kind of leaves one spot left for four teams, um, and they all seem very close right now.
0: I don't – if you look at this, Scott would say there's no such thing as a lock. Clearly, Columbus, North, and Carmel are podium locks, right? And there's enough depth that anything could happen – Uh, An athlete could get uh, hit with contact tracing and be out for the state meet, And that would obviously nobody wants that, Um, but someone could get sick. Someone could get hurt. Anything could happen. But those are two schools that can weather those kinds of storms, unless it's some sort of mass quarantine issue, things like that, which seem highly unlikely, given the the standards right now for contact tracing and quarantining. Based on what we know now versus what we knew in 2020, the Noblesville team is interesting because they ran their full squad at the Columbus North meet on Saturday. They were very, very good at the um, at the county meet on Tuesday, but I think Brock Hagerman said this a few years ago on the on the webcast when he he did the broadcast at the state meet and that is young talent tends to perform it unpredictable ways and the noblesville girls are like that they're a very young team they were very good on Tuesday and then they were not as good on Saturday now is that a young talent issue or is that a two meets in five days um, with homework and being up till midnight or whatever on Tuesday and then needing to come back against teams that were gearing up for that meet that have maybe seen that course more and and things like that. And I, you know, I don't think that and some runners tend to just be more inconsistent than others and high variance teams, high variance individuals that have a really, really high ceiling, but potentially a very low floor. And I, I don't think that INCC stats factors that in maybe it does, but I, I, that's not the case you don't think yeah. that's the case, right?
1: what that they
0: that they maybe factor in that this boy tends to be a little more up and down.
1: Oh so, I, I don't think so. I, I think you just have to go off what the number is. Um, I think it's just based I, I on doubt their
0: standard deviations right yeah whatever okay yeah yeah so but I think that I think that a young team on the boys side or the girls side but we're much more likely to see, a young podium contending team uh, on the, and I know like center Grove and Columbus North boys teams are like, excuse me, sir. But I think we're much more likely to see a, a young top five team full of freshmen and sophomores on the girl's side than on the boy's side. Right. Although this year there's more good boys, freshmen difference makers on state meet teams yeah. than maybe even girls. Yeah.
1: And cause I'd say normally that, especially on the boy's side, uh, the one th- place where the age factor would come in is just the improvement curve from freshman to sophomore, than sophomore to junior. So that could fluctuate how the rankings go from year to year, but I would, I wouldn't say in season.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's factored in. Um, and one thing that I have noticed with the, you're talking about year to year is that there's a certain average essentially that I think it tends to come down to for kind of varsity level kids on the boys side. I haven't dissected on the girls side as much, but about 35 seconds taken off from freshman to sophomore year for the boys, about 15 seconds taken off from sophomore to junior year and about 10 taken off from junior to senior. And it may be 20 and 15 and not not 15 and 10, but it's something like that, that it's basically you're, you're likely to take off more time Freshman to sophomore than you are sophomore to senior, yep. and that yep. seems about right. From there's there's experience.
1: a lot of reasons for that, and just being around coaching and you just, you see it all the time. Um, and I think one reason, especially, is just an extra year of high school training um, is definitely a big factor. But right. that just seems like the right improvement curve, I would say, for boys.
0: Well, that and the the average the average maturation for boys between. 15 and 16 versus girls between 15 and 16. You know, most, a lot of girls are done. They're as tall as they're going to be. They're done growing by seventh, eighth or ninth grade. Whereas with boys, that's not necessarily the case. The one thing that I've noticed is that perhaps it's just based on a percentage, but if you're at, if you're already at the top, if you're already a, and this is rare, but a top 25 guy, as a freshman, the odds of you actually performing um up to your preseason rankings, your preseason projection are pretty low. And so just for instance, the team that I coach has had one of those guys in the last two years and the fact that he actually met his preseason projection from freshman to sophomore year was just incredible. We weren't anticipating that kind of improvement. Yeah.
1: Um, it's a classic the like after the state meet, you kind of go through and take out, the seniors to see like, Oh, what number returner is this person? It doesn't always work like that. Right. Um, Right. But
0: yeah. Yeah. Cause if a team was loaded with freshman boys and a lot of times a good team, I I think we may end up seeing this next year, a good team might have their ninth or 10th best ninth, 10th and 11th best boys or freshmen, and they're not in the state meet results, but by the next year they could jump up they could jump up pretty high i would uh, like to
1: see the girls improvement curves though by the way the same numbers you gave for the boys yeah i, mean, I would like I, to see that
0: yeah we should and that's that's pretty easy to figure out we can go through and look at from the season before but i i wonder I, I would imagine that it's um it's based on historical data right so they they took that into account and it's it's an average for the girls it's not just oh well boys and girls perform this way and we'll just average between the two of those yeah it's it's probably, and I think too, there's just a lot of misconception about, well, the girls are always the best as freshmen and sophomores and, and the the best freshmen girls, they don't get any better. And I think there's a few high profile cases of that, but when you look at the state meet results, the best athletes, yes, of course, there are more girls, freshmen in the top 25 than there are boys. There's usually two, three, four freshmen girls in the top 25 and zero to one freshman boys zero to two, maybe one and a half. Well, it can't be a half, but, um, on average. right on average, but like the top 25 is still tends to be juniors and seniors on the girl's side. The winning girl tends to be a junior or a senior. There are some high profile cases and it's, it's less likely that a girl that wins that returns and wins the next year than the boys. But, um, it's still, girls still tend to get better. Look at, uh, look at the a girl from, from your area, Annalisa Crane. She was consistently better every year. And there's more of that than there are the girls that finish really high as freshmen. And then we never see them in the top 25 again.
1: Correct.
0: Uh One last team I saw Floyd central. This is a team that uh, I was pretty high on. And then, and then Scott really matched and, and up the ante. Scott has them. Lidskin has them fourth right now in the state Floyd has a 4.8% chance to win. I'm going to tell you, Josh, not high enough. It's too low. Top
1: five. Top five.
0: Sorry, top five. Not to win. Top five. Yeah. Yeah, to finish on the podium. We'll consider that to you be said, winning. You said not high enough? <laughs> not high enough. I was on a team once that finished fourth, and, man, it felt like we won. I'll tell you that. Of course, I've been the coach of teams that finished second, and it did not feel like we won, so – what is it David right. Jacoby says? Happiness is a function of expectations. Teams with missing key runners. I like that. Franklin Central's number one runner. We haven't seen her yet, so they are not projected out of that semi-state. I feel like if she can get back to a pretty typical performance for her where we would have seen her early on, I feel like Franklin Central's got a pretty good chance. Zionsville, we talked about. Um, I don't know – even though it's a number one runner, even though she could finish in the top 25, I'm not sure that adding her in moves them up a ton, but it gives them a lot more security. It takes them from a 50% chance to make the podium to like an 80, right? Yeah.
1: Something like that. Yeah, just depending on how high up she I, I When you said like, oh, they'll be higher, I wrote down 70 as the number. So we were kind of thinking in the same ballpark.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, an additional, an additional 20% chance to finish on the podium is huge.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, if you had in somebody that could, could score single-digit points potentially, and I, I don't know how good that girl is, but it seems like she's at least top 25 level.
0: She so. was in our top 25. Yeah. Now, the question is, and, and we don't know this, but what, is, what, is, what are the projections of these runners that we haven't seen yet? Are they running and they're training and they're just being very cautious? Are they available to race this weekend? Might they run before the tournament? Might they not be running at all right now, but they could, we could see them you know, racing into shape, sectional, regional, semi-state, state. How does that affect somebody like that? How effective is their cross-training? These are things we don't know. Uh, there's, there's no stats for those, but we'll, we'll know a lot more. We're, we're doing an emergency podcast, but we're also kicking the can another, another week down the road to figure this out i'm looking through my my mock state meet right now zionsville's fifth runner in this mock state meet scores 56 so let's say we put in um we put in zionsville's number one at 16 points so that takes out 40 right but your score is going from 56 to 16 take 40 away they're they're just behind noblesville in that Mm. in that scenario
1: fits fits what we're projecting
0: Right, and if if, Zion, if Noblesville is an eighty-four percent chance, and Zionsville then is just behind them, that would be yeah between seventy and eighty yeah. percent. One more last team, I think, that maybe missing a key runner, and I'm I'm doing this with an asterisk, and I'm also doing it with my caveat that I teach at the school, and I want them to win the state championship, and that is Carmel. Carmel has an athlete that finished in the top twenty last year at the state meet. She did run at the county meet, but she was about three minutes, two and a half to three minutes behind where she would have been, and that's factored into this rating. So had she not run in that race, and who knows, except for maybe me, what the reason is why she might have been two and a half or three minutes away from her typical performance. But I would just – I would say it's much more likely – that she performs later in the season closer to what she was last year throughout the entirety of last year, that average, than it is what she ran in the county meet. And if you put her in, that's going to that's gonna cut down on on Carmel's average score and their their, their mock state meet score. So Carmel's fifth runner in the, uh, this mock state meet is 42 and Carmel finished 17 points behind Columbus North. So this girl would need to finish instead of 42 in the team score, 25th. Is that possible?
1: Yes. Based, in- on, based on her being a top 20 runner in the previous year, yes. If she can she, get back to that form.
0: She wasn't top 20 team scoring. She was 20th overall. Yes. Right. So she scored probably 12. So if we double that and she finishes 25th, which is maybe 38th overall, I, I think it's a lot closer than these stats. Maybe um, Taylor's going to kill me for saying all this. I, think, I, think it's, I, I don't think that Columbus North is three times as likely as Carmel to win the state meet. Now, if you factor her in, Carmel's chances of finishing on the podium... Know- Are going to be higher than ninety nine point three percent. I can tell you that.
1: (laughs) Ninety nine point eight, right? Because because it can't be hundred percent. Not a hundred.
0: There's not a hundred percent chance of anything.
1: Except death and taxes, right?
0: Not taxes. I don't know if you've been keeping up with the current political climate. It's like going to be our miscellaneous minutes.
1: (laughs) No, no, we can we can stay away from that.
0: You don't want to give us your thoughts on how uh the ceo of amazon is taxed or anything
1: oh i didn't even see that
0: it's uh from what i've seen it's not a lot uh do you got a miscellaneous oh i got one i uh i had lunch with my friend frank vogel today oh really yeah yeah he was at the same restaurant and car or, uh same undisclosed location in central indiana that i was
1: wow we we've both seen frank vogel in central indiana where uh you don't have to say where i i met him um i saw him at target many years ago when he was well, a coach, coach yeah so yeah I,
0: we went out to eat at this place you've seen this it's 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 pretty close to where you went to high school and uh my son starts kind of just pointing at somebody and my dad was like oh yeah you're or maybe my mom i don't know one of the, my parents were both down like oh you pointed somebody and i was like that's nancy leonard slick leonard's wife Slick Leonard's widow i guess and she just kind of sat there like long enough that I was about to be like, well, do you like, do you want to join us or whatever? But she told the waitress she was meeting somebody. And then I didn't even know he had sunglasses on or whatever. Finally, I looked at my dad and I was like, that's Frank Vogel. He was a super nice guy. I stopped on the way out. I stopped and talked to him for a little bit. Um, that's really cool. So, yeah. yeah, congratulating him on his, winning his title. And he said, yeah, it's still hard to believe.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I added to the miscellaneous minute because I have to ask because football season starts on Thursday. But how are you feeling about your Colts?
0: I don't know, man. (laughs) I – so I was born in 19 – it's going to be the miscellaneous six minutes. I was born in 1987. The first season that I remember was 1994. And in 1995, the Colts almost made the Super Bowl. And then a couple of terrible years, and then not long after that, the Colts drafted Peyton Manning. So through all of my formative years, right, when football is just, like, way too important, it's the only thing going on, you know, between, like, 10 and 22 or whatever, yeah. we had, you know, potentially the greatest football player of all time plays on our city. And then ever since then, it's just, yeah, it's... yeah. Gonna be a good defense i'll tell you that yeah they
1: have they have a roster built around it's just the quarterback has been the one spot the last few years um, they're actually they're one of three teams that uh, will have a different starting quarterback in week one the last five seasons so it just kind of shows where they've where they've been
0: yeah i so i had to lunch with my friend frank vogel today my friend Jacoby Bursett i here's what I think the Colts should have done. I would have. So luck retires and we immediately rip up Jacoby's contract and give him two years at 15 million a year. And then panic after the, after his first year when he gets hurt and just didn't give him a shot. And now here we are playing the quarterback carousel and whatever. I'm going to be at the first game and I'm going to be wearing my Carson Wentz Jersey. I buy the the jersey of the starting quarterback. So, yeah. I just and the defense is so darn good. I, I don't yeah. know that it matters, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, you got, Mac, you got a Mac Jones jersey yet?
1: Not yet. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wait wait it out a few weeks.
0: You don't, Let's man. See. That's that's the difference between me and you. I don't wait. Andrew Luck retired. I hand to God. Andrew Luck retired, and within two weeks, I'd already ordered my Brissette, and. Jacoby Bursett told me, I like your jersey. There you go. <laughs> I saw him one time and he was like, Like that jersey. And right? you were wearing the jersey. <laughs> I was wearing the Jacoby Brissett jersey. Yeah, my dad and I both had it, and we saw him. We went to the press conference. They let season ticket holders go to this press conference. Oh wow. Like, like whatever, the lottery, and we won. Yeah. And he looked right at us and was like, like those jerseys, guys.
1: I say, like, good thing, good thing it wasn't somewhere in public and uh you were around the person whose jersey you were wearing and didn't recognize them because that's happened before to people and it's pretty embarrassing but he noticed you
0: (laughs) he noticed yeah he noticed me yeah so yeah i wish i I wish him luck i I also don't get why we didn't it seemed like his his destiny was being remember billy Volek. by the way hit the 30 second skip ahead button if you're still made it this far so billy (laughs) volick is this lifetime backup quarterback and he just he loved living in San Diego, and he just he got offers from other places to be a starter, more money, whatever. And he was just like, whatever, I'm making a million, few million dollars a year, and I'm just gonna stay and be Philip Rivers' backup in San Diego. And he just oh, did it okay. ever. Sure. Steve McNair's backup in, in Nashville before that. I just feel like Jacoby took like no money basically on a one year deal to go down to Miami. Like, why we should have just kept him around, and he could just be the Colts' backup, and then when Wentz inevitably gets hurt or plays terrible or gets contact traced that we've got Jacoby. And now, I don't know. I don't know, but you know what? Maybe we win week one against Seattle. We win week two against the Rams and suddenly I'm I'm singing a different tune, but yeah, usually pretty plugged in on this. I, I don't, I don't feel great. I don't feel great.
1: Well, good luck. I'm I'm glad football's back too. I I love this time of year. Football, cross country, all in the same. So, yeah,
0: I mean, these, these are the most exciting weekends. Also, the most nerve-wracking weekends, too, right? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know how my team compares, my team being the cross-country team, my yes. team being the football team. Uh, I'm excited to see how it goes. This is a great opportunity for us, but I'm also, I'm also nervous because I, I care about how we do. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be Brown County and then the Colts, Colts home opener. Can't wait. I'll be at both. Yep. I'll see you at yep, Brown County. I'll,
1: I say I'll see you at Brown County. I'll be there. Won't be at the Colts game, but I'll be at Brown County.
0: All right, man. Hey, can't wait. Thanks for coming on.